and welcome to episode 76 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. The Rockets lose yesterday, but the refs blow a huge call, and they might overturn the win and give it to the Rockets. The Lakers are rolling 18-3 after last night, and we got some MLB topics. Cole Hamble signs with the Braves. Going to give you some MLB trade rumors. All that much more and here on episode 76 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. And then head to YouTube and give me all your takes right down below in the comments section. Got a good one from Luke Lange who says, A.B. clearly wants to play. That drive is still in him. He misses the game and will do anything to play for the Patriots. Chris Anderson says, not going to lie, I'm starting to like A.B. again. So give me all your takes over on YouTube, but we got a jam-packed show for you guys. Lots to get into, so let's get right into it. It's showtime. Are you ready? What it do, baby? Baby, baby. Let's get it on. And we're going to start in the association where last night the Rockets lose to the Spurs and it was a bad night for the Foot Locker employees, a.k.a. the referees. They miss a huge call. James Harden at the 750 mark, he goes into what appears to be a dunk, or was it? Harden saw that coming a mile away. Look out for the guy with the squeegee. Wait, did that come out? That went that through. Went that through. ball went through. That- James Capers, the tr- crew chief, is... That ball went through. That ball counts. James, you got it wrong. James, you have it wrong. It's good. Count the basket. Mike wants to call a timeout. Now, it's not even a debate whether it went through the net. That thing damn near goes through the hoop twice. He should have been awarded four points for that dunk. Instead, they get zero points, and it would have given them a 104-89 to lead with 7.50 left to play. And here's James Harden talking about the call right after the game. Any kind of explanation on why the dunk did not count? What were you arguing or how were you trying to convince them? Ball winner. And yes, it was a blown call. There's no doubt about it. And we have blown calls in sports every day. That's what Twitter is for. But what really bothered me last night was the explanation from crew chief James Caper, who says, quote, when that play happened, Harding goes in for a dunk, and then the ball appears to us to pop back through the net. When that happens, that is a basket interference. To have a successful field goal, it must clear the net. We have since come in here and looked at the play. He dunked it so hard that the net carried it back over the rim a second time. So, in fact, it did clear the net, and it should have been a successful field goal. Okay, great. You admitted you were wrong, but that does nothing to change the outcome of the game. That's about as pointless as those two-minute reports. It does nothing, but the issue I had was the clarification as to why Dan Tony was unable to challenge the play. Quote, as to could the play have been reviewed? It is a reviewable matter, but you have a window of 30 seconds to challenge the play during that timeout that he had, and while they were protesting the call, trying to get clarification of it, that window passed. So therefore, it elapsed, and they were not able to do it. 
Now, Mike D'Antoni is clearly incensed by the no call. That's why he called a timeout. Why don't you go up to Mike D'Antoni, ask him if he wants to challenge the call, but instead they're doing this little 30-second countdown, which apparently is the window you have to challenge calls. I have a question. Did anyone before last night know there was a 30-second window that these coaches have to challenge calls? Well, they do now. Here's Mike D'Antoni's reaction. I don't, is this a, how long does these after shows go? <laughs> we got, I have no idea. I heard that they said that uh, the ball hit James and went back through, so it was goaltending on James, so I said I challenged that. Then um, I didn't get a response, and another guy said it wasn't goaltending, it just went out of bounds on, on us, and I said, well, I challenged that. And they go, can't do that. I, you know, I don't know. I didn't get an explanation. And I got nothing. And the Rockets want one of two things. They want to either, one, get the win outright, or two, they want to replay the game starting at the 750 mark. Well, I've got some bad news for you, Houston. They're not going to do that. You're not getting the win from last night. Now, the best thing I think they could do is if there is a tiebreaker, you give the Rockets the tiebreaker. But how about the fact that the referees gave James Harden 24 free throws last night? All the referees have to do, all the NBA needs to do is go back and review at least one or two or three of those calls were bad calls. All they have to say is, hey, we gave James Harden a couple free throws that he should have had. So, hey, really, you should have lost by more points and you shouldn't have given up that 22-point lead. Last night, James Harden, he makes 24 consecutive free throws. That broke Dominique Wilkins' record that he had set at 23. And there was a fan in San Antonio that didn't come to see a free throw shooting contest. So yes, it was a ridiculous call, but it was also ridiculous that James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they combined to go 18 of 68 from the field for 26% and 5 for 26 from deep. So they were building an arena within that arena with all those bricks last night, so they have no one to blame but themselves. And if you look last night, James Harden, he posted his third 50-point game of the season, but he did so on 11 of 38 shooting for 29% the worst field goal percentage in a 50-point game since at least 1982 and 1983. It was the first time two teammates combined to miss 50 shots since Sam Jones and John Havlicek back in 1965. So at least those guys won a championship. So look, if you're the Houston Rockets, you just take this L. Look, James Harden gets his mail sent to the free throw line because he lives there, okay? They've helped him out all of his career. You can't overturn this. It would open up Pandora's box and the Rockets, they just need to get it together. Now the weather outside is getting colder, but that hot stove is heating up in Major League Baseball. Multiple signings today in Major League Baseball. Cole Hamels, he joins the Atlanta Braves on a one-year $18 million deal. And then Zach Wheeler, he signs with the Philadelphia Phillies for reportedly five years, $118 million. And as Jeff Passer reports, he chose the Phillies over the White Sox, and the White Sox offered him more money. The White Sox were throwing at him five years, $120 million. The Phillies, five years, $118 million. So I guess he liked Philly cheesesteaks over deep dish pizza, and that's got a sting for the Southsiders because the White Sox, they were in it for Cole Hamels and Zach Wheeler, and they get none of them. So as far as Zach Wheeler's concerned, let's take a look at his numbers. 
A 3.96 ERA. That's good for 19th in the National League. Definitely not elite, but if you look at his last 55 starts, a 3.47 ERA with a 3.27 FIP. Nine strikeouts per nine innings, 2.4 walks per nine, 0.82 home runs per nine, and 43.1% ground ball rate, and 349 and two-thirds innings. And what I like about him is that velocity. If you look at his velocity, 96.7 miles per hour. That was his average heater last year. That's only behind Garrett Cole. So outside of Garrett Cole, as far as velocity goes, Zach Wheeler has that gas, and you saw in the postseason, last year. If you want to win in Major League Baseball, you have to miss bats, and Zach Wheeler is capable of doing that. A couple concerns I do have, though, one, he goes from that pitcher-friendly park in New York to that hitter's haven in Philadelphia. So, yes, he's pitched well in Philly, but how will he adjust pitching an entire season there? So, that remains to be seen. But if you look at it, this entire rotation for Philly, it's all right-handed dominant. Right now, their rotation remains, for now at least, Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Jake Arrieta, Vince Velasquez, and Zach Eflin. So, right now, can they add another lefty and try to balance out that rotation? rotation, but ultimately, if you're the Phillies, I'm fine with this move. This is okay. $23.5 million per year to get a guy to where if he works out, maybe he can be elite. Maybe he can take a jump like Garrett Cole took when he went from the Pirates to the Astros. And maybe this will be the case for Zach Wheeler and the Philadelphia Phillies. So give the Phillies credit. This is a win-now organization that just signed Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi is a difference maker. He's a guy that can get the most out of someone like Zach Wheeler. And if you look at Zach Wheeler, the analytics love him. If you look at his stat cast profile, he's got that explosive fastball, 96.7 miles per hour, an above-average fastball, that curveball spin rate, and a low exit velocity, and a low hard hit percentage. With him, it's just can he put it all together Together. Can he stay healthy? Remember, he's far removed now from that Tommy John surgery, and maybe Zach Wheeler can head this rotation. They can get the Phillies to the playoffs. It's a tough division now that you're competing with the Atlanta Braves, who just signed Cole Hamels on that one-year $18 million deal. They signed really the best reliever available in Will Smith. So the Braves are coming, and then who knows? Will Strasburg stay in Washington? Will Rendon stay in Washington? Are the Nationals building a juggernaut with the talent that they have. And I like what Philadelphia is doing. With this move, they're staying aggressive. They're building upon what they did last year with that Bryce Harper signing. And the reality is you just can't wait out a Scott Boris signing too long. Because, hey, let's be honest here. Zach Wheeler had tons of suitors. You had the Astros. You had the Reds. You had the White Sox. Lots of teams were in it for Zach Wheeler. And if they waited, they probably wouldn't have gotten their guy. And now they can focus on potentially getting Didi Gregorius to shore up that shortstop position and continue to build this roster with Joe Girardi at the helm. So really, I love the move for Philly. It might not work out, but if it does, it'll pay huge dividends. And I like this Philly team. They're making moves. They're Zach Wheelering and dealing. Hot stove is here. Lots of moves to be made. And we're going to see what's next.
And next, we're going to talk some Lakers. The Lakers got it done last night. They go into Denver, and they take care of the Nuggets, and they're now sitting at 18-3 and on the year, and they've taken advantage of this soft schedule, apparently. You hear everyone out there, oh, the Lakers, when will they play anyone? It is the NBA. They're going to eventually play everyone, okay? We're not talking about college football here. But last night was a big win because the Lakers said, look, we're going into this game. It's a tough environment against a team we might see in the playoffs. And they just came off that loss to the Mavericks, and they got it done. Anthony Davis, he had the flu going into last night's game, but he balled out 25 points, 10 rebounds on 50% shooting. But it was what he did on the defensive end that made all the difference last night. Anthony Davis last night, when he was on the court, the Lakers had a defensive rating of 88.6. He had key stops on Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and really was the reason why they won last night's game. And Anthony Davis, he made light work of Nikola Jokic, and Nikola Jokic is definitely not light these days. I don't know what's going on, but he's looking out of shape. He's looking like he's McNuggets, not Denver Nuggets. They need to get him in shape. I don't know what's going on with Jokic, but there's no question. Anthony Davis, he's the anchor of this defense, the leading candidate right now for Defensive Player of the Year, and here's him after the game. Yeah, I take pride in my defense. And, uh, you know, anytime late game when, you know, guys, you know, feel like they can score on me, you know, I take it personal and um, try to play without fouling and get stops on my team. And, um, you know, in those situations, uh, you know, two of their best players, um, just, just one, they want to stay home and, you know, you know, do what I do what I do best in playing defense and, um, you know, making them take tough shots. And he was sick as a dog last night. He had an Ivy at halftime, but he was the difference in the game. And LeBron James is saying, hey, there's no question right now, he's the defensive player of the year in the NBA. I mean, he's been doing it all year. He's playing through injuries, playing through illness like he did tonight. Uh, he's defensive player of the year. And he showed tonight once again, playing one-on-one -on -one versus Joker in the post. When there was switches going on with Jamal Murray, playing one-on-one -on -one versus Small. And got stop after stop after stop. Um, you know, it was just a monster game for him. So it was DPOY, Defensive Player of the Year. That was all the talk after yesterday's Laker game. And head coach Frank Vogel talked about it as well. Stars, uh, LeBron and AD, but in particular AD tonight, um, you know, playing through illness. He's getting an IV at halftime. You know, it felt like, it just felt lousy, you know, the last two days. And, uh, you know, he comes in and has a, like we, talked about pregame, a defensive player of the year type of performance. You know, he's guarding their two best players, uh, Jokic, single coverage, everybody staying home, and then Jamal Murray taking him to the basket okay, and, and just making uh, defensive play after defensive play. And, you know, he was outstanding, you know, for him to play through illness and, and have that, that kind of uh, performance was something special. We had a defense. And so Anthony Davis on the defensive end, he has just been a juggernaut. He's got that Defensive Player of the Year award. Everyone knows it. Yes, Giannis can guard more positions, but Anthony Davis with his length and his ability to lock down on fours and fives, this team is special out in Los Angeles. And another thing that I want to talk about is Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso should be starting for the Los Angeles Lakers. I said it right here, right now, the bald mamba, the white mamba, Alex Caruso. Did you see this play last night on this putback dunk? 
Alex Caruso. He's going to get drug tested again because that was some more fire. This guy is athletic. And look at these numbers with Alex Caruso. When Alex Caruso is on the floor, the Lakers are a plus 10 to half. When Alex Caruso is on the floor with LeBron James, the Lakers are a plus 21.1. When Alex Caruso, LeBron, and Anthony Davis are on the court together, wait for it, they're a plus 40.4. Alex Caruso needs to be in that starting lineup, I'm telling you. I mean, just look at how he gets up on this dunk right here. He had 20 against the Lakers. We know all about him in a game last year. LeBron gets it right back with Danny Green. Behind the back to Green. On its way. Does not go down. Oh! So here we go, Lakers. I've got some advice. Frank Vogel, if you're listening, this is what you do. Tonight's lineup against the Jazz, you scratch KCP, you say bye-bye to Contavious Caldwell-Pope in that starting lineup, and you start Alex Caruso. Start the bald mamba. Only thing that's holding him back is his three-point shooting. This year, he's shooting 30% from three. Last year, though, he shot 48% from three. So he's capable of making it. He just needs the opportunity. And another thing I want to say about Alex Caruso, Lakers, NBA, you need to start selling his jersey. I looked up his jersey. It's not available for purchase. They need to start selling that jersey because I'm going to be rocking it. Alex Caruso, he brings it on the defensive end. He's just a catalyst for this offense, and I want to see him in the starting lineup. But, hey, the Lakers, they're balling right now, 18-3. A tough schedule December, but, hey, Clippers, Lakers, December 25th. It's right around the corner, and I think right now the Lakers, they're the best team in the NBA. But before we wrap here today, I want to hit you with the Get More Sports fact of the day. Anthony Davis currently second in the NBA with 2.7 blocks per game. He trails Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, who's currently averaging 2.78 blocks per game. What is the record for blocks per game in an NBA season? And that goes to Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton, he played all of his years with the Utah Jazz. He had 456 blocks in the 1984-1985 season and averaged 5.56 blocks per game that year. So Mark Eaton, the all-time blocks leader in a single season. But that is going to do it for Episode 76 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. And then definitely go to YouTube and give me all your takes right down in the comment section. I've been reading off those comments. You guys live on the Get More Sports Podcast. But thanks again. See you guys Friday, and I'm out.